Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Anime Ichiban, Goopa Stomp's dedicated anime podcast. I am your host, as always, Matthew Pontier. This week, I am joined by the beautiful and handsome Kyle Roga Shone. In that order. In that order. Not handsome and beautiful. That, that'd be incorrect. It could be handsome. But you said it has to be in that order. Beautifully handsome, to be correct. So, mm. therefore. That's true. If you're wondering why we're going on this bit for so long, it's because, unfortunately, Harry <laughs> Morris, underscore is absent this episode he woke up feeling not so great so we're, we decided to uh, give him some paid sick leave in in the units of anime girls nice <laughs> and so you have are just stuck with us two bozos for this episode and we are here to talk about anime but at the same time a lot has happened in the video game world this past week mm. that I would like to talk about just a little bit being the Xbox Series X and Series S, S and X, make the sure you get those right, six. <laughs> have been announced. The price point and date came out of nowhere. And Kyle, you had a front row seat to all of that. Yeah. You were telling me a little before we were recording, but so, like what? So actually, if you can tell me this, like what was it like when you first found out that the information was leaked and... That you had to act on it. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> the leak came out at like it was Monday evening, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, well, early early on in the week at some point, uh, and we just got a notice, uh, in our work Slack channel, uh, that, oh, hey guys. Uh, this might have gotten leaked. Keep your eyes out for what the higher-ups decide to do. Next morning, we got guidance uh, that everything was go, right? Uh, <laughs> so they posted that uh, reaction image with the puppet monkey. That monkey puppet. Yeah, the, yeah. Mon- the monkey puppet, like, looking to the side. And they're like, okay, we've, like, bought a little bit of time now. Get everything in line. Here's, like, how we're going to go about this. Um... They gave us, like, all of the information that we need, and it was, like, in a matter of hours, uh, yeah, the announcements, official announcements dropped for the consoles, um, and that was a lot of just, what was really nice is that, like, it was a lot of positive sentiment, um, I think especially because, uh, the Series S is honestly a very, very, um, nice and consumer-friendly product, um, and that is yeah, I was only, very surprised by it. That is I was only very surprised. partially me being an Xbox shill. Uh, but <laughs> I I like all digital gaming. As much as I love collecting physical media, as much as I love my collections of old discs and boxes, and you know, I have fucking shelves of Nendoroids, I love physical media. But I really like the idea of portability and accessibility, um, and all of that at a lower price point. So for 300 bucks, you get uh, pretty much next, you get next generation like mm-hmm. gaming. Um, and that's all around just a really solid like point. Uh, and yeah, and it's really not that much weaker than the Series X It's really as well. not. The only real difference is that it's going to out, like the, the, the cap for its visual output is that it can only go up to 1440p, which right. like I'm still... Like, I grew up with, like, 144 and 360 streams, so I'm like, 720 is still, like, high def for me. <laughs> and I, I'd still feel like the difference between 1440 and 
native 4K resolution. Unless you have those side by side, unless you have like the most cutting edge mm. monitors or TVs, you really can't tell the difference. What, in my opinion, is the more important aspect is uh, refresh rate and frame rates. Like, yeah, you still consistently hit. And in that regard, the Series S absolutely performs. Yeah, and I so think that's they, the most important point. They clarified, um, and that is a big point, right? That it like you they had placed importance on the frame rate. So it will right. get up to 60 slash 120 in the same games that the Series X will. Just at a lower right. resolution. Yeah. So Yeah, that, that $300 price point is extraordinarily competitive. It's I feel like it's right in that range of impulse buy for under the right conditions. Mm. For pe- mm-hmm. people who are just being like, oh, Okay. This cheap and this? Game, pa- Game Pass itself is such a great, great deal as well. Oh it's yeah, like, oh, for sure. Why not? For sure. Why not? Why not? Uh, I might may not get it too, but right? it was. Or was it two hundred? No, no, no. It was three. Wait a minute. Did it start as three hundred? I feel like it did. Or is it? I think yeah, it did start because everyone was expecting two fifty, and then I think it was fifty dollars higher. So yeah, it, it started three hundred. Is it two fifty now? I, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, considering yeah. it's like but yeah at, at the very least yeah it, it started at 300 and maybe 250 now so mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah no, i'm just game pass is also really good uh to your point earlier like um mm-hmm. and i think one of my favorite things and one of the nice things for me is that game pass is slowly putting in more weeb games <laughs> uh, i mean we got yakuza which is great there's all of that yep. um but one of the ones that kind of surprised me uh is that they added a Toho game. What? Yeah, Luna Knights. It is a side-scrolling Metroidvania uh, with the character, I think it was Yomu, um, at the center. And it's like, oh, that's cool. Uh, that's not something I expected to see. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I gotta loop this back to anime somehow. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but no, it, but yeah, it's been a big week for games. Yeah, I'm just, I'm very glad that someone just... Even though it wasn't intentional, but someone's finally pulled the trigger. Uh, be, for a long time, Microsoft and Sony have seemed to be in this court, sort of uh, this Wild West showdown. Just like, all right, who's going to draw first? And uh, now now we got Sony's event next Friday. So mm-hmm. we got it. We got the console war again. That's for sure. Ugh, uh, <laughs> please. No, that is like, ugh, that, that's my 40 hour work week is just console mm-hmm. wars. <laughs> yep. I can't wait to get all of the juicy details from you later on. Ugh. Other than that, I'm sad that Harry's not on because we had the Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity oh, announcement yeah. as well, yeah. which looks great. I'm not going to talk about it too much, but it's just like I think pretty universally, a lot of people wanted more detail into that past story of Breath of the Wild, like mm-hmm. what happened 100 years ago. All the cool stuff happened 100 years ago. Let me play that. And so now that we're getting that in this in this uh, Muso format, just it fits like a glove too, considering it's large scale battles. Yeah, um, right. One, like armies versus armies, and so. After playing some of uh, Persona 5 Scramble, I'm very hopeful for this as well, that they can have a very focused, narrative-driven Muso, uh, a... as opposed to like the fan service crossovers yeah. that they're normally known for. Is it the same studio? Koei Tecmo, yeah. In Omega Force, yep. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, Which, why it's... is it Persona 5 Scramble out in the US yet? Come on, Dude, I am like what? so close to just dropping money for it. Um, I think I gave myself the deadline of if there is no localization announcement by December, I'm just picking it up in Japanese. Right. It, it's, it just blows my mind why there's been not e- like 
Okay, it might take a while to localize, but why has there not been an announcement for it yet? That's considering so strange. To uh, me. Both five and Royal's popularity, it's like wow. Yeah, why? yeah, especially because yeah, Royal just completely reignited the fervor for everyone. So, <laughs> womp. Yeah, lots, lots of interesting things happening in the gaming world. As for anime, uh, Kyle and I have both been watching some uh, Great Pretender on Netflix, and we will be talking more about that later. We have also watched some Gretzko, which we'll be talking more about later. Mm. <laughs> and that's pretty much... <laughs> uh, I, I myself actually just recently finished uh, Carolyn Tuesday. Have you seen that? No. That's another one that's on the perpetual list. What, what is that again? Right. Yeah. So basically on my end, I've, I finally uh, set up... For whatever reason, I never had my Netflix account set up on my PS4. Mm-hmm. And my PS4 is where I watch most of my anime, just stream it to my TV. And so now that I took the time to put in my credentials on Netflix. I've been going through a lot of the older Netflix exclusives. So that's why Great Pretender, Gretzko, and Carolyn Tuesday. And so for those who aren't aware, Carolyn Tuesday is a music anime. It's about these two girls, the titular Carol and Tuesday, uh, just trying to make it into the music industry. They're also on Mars. Oh. Because why not? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, this takes place, I think, about 30 years in the future. <laughs> Because there, there's a New Year's part where it says, like, happy 30. And, like, okay, that could be, like, 30-30 or it could be 20-30. Hmm. But at the same time, it doesn't seem like technology that advanced that much to be a thousand years in the future. So I'm not sure. But it's either way. very optimistic takes for us to be the, on Mars. Yeah, it takes place in the future on Mars where Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter all exist in that form. Like, they're not... They're not... Hmm. Uh, does modified at all does it's mars literally have anything to do with the story I no it's really strange i don't know why well actually i i know why they chose mars and it's kind of like an obvious political tension under underplot. but beyond that i don't i'm not sure why they couldn't have just had in like a slightly more futuristic earth but besides that it was a very it was a very feel-good show for the most part. Uh, Carol, Carol and Tuesday themselves, they form a very close relationship with each other. Um, Carol comes from uh, an orphanage. She doesn't know her parents, and so she's just been kind of growing up on her own. Tuesday comes from a very privileged family that was very overbearing on her, and she wants to make it into uh, music. And so they, she runs away from home, and then she meets up with Carol, and they start trying to make it on their own. And something that I was just extremely impressed by in the show is like okay you hear music anime and you think all right there's gonna be like two or three unique songs outside the ops and eds mm-hmm. in this and they'll be pretty decent like i feel at least every other episode there was a new song a brand new oh, song nice. somewhere in and they were all in english too with the exception oh. of one hmm. yeah um they got english vocalists for all of these and they they span a wide breadth of different genres as well so uh carolyn tuesday's specific genre is i'm really bad when it comes to describing music so i (laughs) I could be wrong in the genres here but well their their whole shtick is that they use an acoustic guitar and an electric piano uh for their songs and that's it and in this future society a lot of musicians uh use ai to help compose their songs for all these various different instruments and so their claim to fame is like going back to the very simplistic sound of just uh hand-played instruments okay and so they uh, they range from kind of uh ballads to pop songs to uh inspirational and then there are other artists besides carolyn tuesday as well 
They got your, their rival Angelica, who is very much kind of like a pop diva. You got a hip hop artist. You got um, you got. Uh, I'm blanking now, but yeah, you have at least eight different artists in this show, and they all have their very unique styles, and they all have their own unique songs that may or may not play that are probably played like once, and that's it. And so they really leaned into how there is a an actual industry to this uh, world. It's not just like oh. She's the top, and we're, she's the top artist, and we're never gonna get we're gonna get like maybe some uh, rhythm tracks to it, and that's it. It's like no, they really really sell you on why these artists are so popular. Uh, so all, all in all, I liked it a lot. It's just like the second half, like I said, it gets into it wades into political territory unnecessarily, in my opinion, mm. and it detracts from a lot of the core. Uh, the core messaging it was trying to drive home in the first half, but it was still enjoyable overall. And the dub is fantastic too. I watched it dubbed. The English, the songs are in English regardless. Um, mm-hmm. Those are the original tracks, but I, I figured I'd watch it dubbed because the whole idea was that like on Mars, all cultures are intermixing with each other. And so I, I figured, and you get various different accents as well. So, okay, so yeah, I, can, overall, I can see how like being on Mars might be, like help that right because it's like it's it's an excuse for all of these different cultures and different styles of music to be in the same place right yeah so i can kind of get that it was just it was just kind of like did you have to go all the way to mars yeah yeah well whatever yeah but yeah it's something you don't really get hung up on but Mm -hmm. yeah i just i really like the vibe of it um it's like soft futuristic like it's still very recognizable to be our world Mm -hmm. but there's just like Little bits and pieces here that's like, yeah, I can see that happening. Like all the menus on in restaurants are like the tables themselves. Like the tables are screens and you tap on them to order and so Not forth. Too, just like too far, nice far removed. Yeah, exactly. You, it's all stuff that you can very easily see happening in the next like decade or so, mm. minus the aspect of being on Mars. But, <laughs> but yeah, okay, that's yeah. that's pretty neat. Yeah, so would you that's rec- what I've been recommend watching. them? Yeah, CSS. I would I would definitely recommend it. Um, the first half especially. The second half. It's still enjoyable. It's just not as great as the first half. And the ending, I go back and forth in the ending, but I'm, I've settled on slightly positive mm-hmm. on it. Okay. Okay. So is it, um, because it's a music show, right? And typically mm-hmm. a lot of these mutal sh- uh, music shows, like, you know, I think of stuff like K-On! or Idol shows, uh, which <clears throat> you'll have, like, your character-driven stuff, of course, just to make you attached to the cast. But is it a like character show with music or is it a moe blob show with music it it is absolutely a character show with music um you have Hmm. yeah you you, again going back to the uh the melting pot of cultures you have so many various different uh ethnicities and cultures intermingling here it goes into a lot it even goes into um lgbt Hmm. uh principles as well there are uh there are lgbt characters in this show and uh, they they take they take the industry and what it takes to be successful and make it into it very seriously. It's not just like I want to mi- start a school club and then we'll have fun. <laughs> and Carol and Tuesday are having fun. Like their whole impetus is like making music with heart in it, like reinstilling the human element into the okay, music that nice. a lot of other artists have lost. Um, and so yes, it's 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 the most grounded music anime I've seen probably ever i would say hmm. interesting yeah okay well yeah so hmm. besides a uh, great pretender and a have you been up to watching anything as well i have been trying to work my way through k on 
because uh, I oh, you're barreled still on through. That. <laughs> yeah, on that. <laughs> I barreled through <laughs> the first season. Um, it was cute. It was good light watching. Um, and now I'm like through the middle of the second season, and it's. I never I finished the second season. And like, it doesn't help that the second season is twice as long as the first season. It is. Season. It is. Um, Which is odd. I don't think there's been any other show that's like that. It's weird because they like shoot through the first two years at school. And then the second season is all about their last year there. Uh, and it's kind of frustrating just because I, I think I've talked about this before, but Kaon is an annoyingly shallow show uh Mm -hmm. it's still really well done it's still very clearly a kyo annie show it does a lot of great visual gags the cast is super great fun and cute but i swear to god if i have to hear fua fua time one more time (laughs) that's like the only song that they know how to play um play on what in the show Oh, they, I thought you said only song I know how to play. I'm like, oh. I wish I, I should pick up my guitar and you know try it out. But no, it's like whenever they like practice or put on shows, it's like they always jump into that. And that, that's you know, when you were talking about Carol and Tuesday, like having a bunch of different music. It's like, oh, that's, yeah, that's different. Yeah. Ac- across the 24 episodes, they like repeat the same song maybe like two or three times. And that's it. Mm. Well, Yeah. That's what I've been watching. Uh, Kaon's <laughs> pretty fun. Uh, yeah, I, you can see why it started off. The genre, oh, I can definitely see shows have done it why since. it kicked it off. Like that, that is absolutely like completely understandable. Um, and it's crazy. Like even after all this time, it's still super popular. Uh, I think mm-hmm. you know the the fact that it's on Netflix also helped um, because I'm seeing. Is it like, called Kaon on Netflix? Still, it or is still. They change the name. But do, yeah, no, it's it's still Kaon. Okay. What, what, okay. what would they have changed it to? Well, I don't know. Sometimes Netflix, like, change, or not Netflix, but just uh, uh, licensing companies in general change the names of series. Like, uh, Shokugeki no Soma is Food Wars. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah. And uh, Shingeki no Kyojin is Attack on Titan, which also isn't technically accurate. So, yeah, things like that. That's um, true. I would, maybe K On would, like, I don't know. Because what does K-On mean sub- in English? I feel like K-On's yeah. like just such a huge part of the branding that... Yeah, it's you, been around for so long. And that, that too. It's been around for so long. It's like, if you changed it, people would get up in arms about that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, speaking of Netflix. So when I was browsing through to see shows and I eventually settled on Carol on Tuesday, I saw that uh, Nagi no Asakura or Low by the Sea is on Netflix as well, which I've talked about on the show before. But for whatever reason, like... The big banner banner image they use to advertise the show is a very explicit spoiler from the second half of the of the, of the show. Oh, and I'm just like, why? <laughs> why would you use that image to describe the whole show oh. for people going into? It? I don't understand. It blew my mind. I'm like, wow, I'm <clears throat> really glad I've already seen this. Well, Granted, it's one of those images that you arguably probably wouldn't be able to tell as a spoiler without context. But mm. if you're going, if you start watching the show and you're going back into it over and over again, and you see that image over and over again, you'll probably start putting two and two together. I long will before you're do to. my best to avoid that then. Yeah, it, it definitely puzzled me. Mm. But yeah, aside from like that, I'm not 
I mean, I did work through a Gretzko and Great Pretender, but mm. there's like not much else this season that I'm yeah, really it's following. Been a dry season. Well, the one that I know I'm gonna dig into, but I have to wait till all the episodes are out so I can actually binge it. Is ReZero. Uh, no, I'm okay. not a huge <laughs> fan of ReZero. Because that's what I'm doing for ReZero. But go on, uh, Snafu. My, my oh, teen yeah, romantic yeah. comedy. I forgot Snafu. about that. Yeah, I need to rewatch the first and second. Season it's 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 so it's so fucking good. Yeah. It's it's so good. Um, but yeah, I I know that like I want to watch it all in one go. So I yeah. I, I just can't I can't I can't do the waiting. Yeah, that makes sense. I watched the first and second seasons after they were done airing too, so it would probably be hard to yeah. watch the final one. We- By the time I get through the first and second seasons, it'll probably be finished anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I have also been watching uh, Higurashi, uh, which the, the, oh, you're still on that? Yeah, well, I'm watching it. That, that's like the one show that I'm watching with a buddy of mine. Um, and okay, we're taking it uh, a little on the slow side, but it's it works out because you know it's got like those three to four episode little arcs. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's interesting. Oh, yeah. How far are you now? I think we're like, what was the last arc we watched? The last story we watched was with uh, Satoko. Uh, and her cousin or brother. And her brother and uncle. Yeah. And it, I forget the main character's name. It's blanking on me. Um, uh, Keiji. Keiji. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Keiji. Um yeah, he fucking murders her uncle. Um <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's that's weird. That's that's pretty out there. Um but yeah, it's just I I want to believe that there's like something larger at work here. Uh because I and it was either you or I saw it when I was looking up the show, but the the stories are very deliberately ordered in the way that they are. Yeah, and I've talked about it before, but I've talked about how, like, the first season of the show is literally called The Questions Arc. And the second season of the show is literally called The Answers Arc. Oh, so, okay. I think that's that helps things make more yeah. sense now so that I'm you watching will it. Only get, you will only get questions in the first season, except at the very end when you get, like, one answer. One singular answer to a burning mm. question you maybe had. Um, and then the second season happens just like, revelation, 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 revelation. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's again, one of the things I talked about how I'm curious to see how this uh, this new series will handle this, which starts next month, by the way. Oh, is that next? Yeah, so I yeah. thought it was going to, it's just like a complete uh, redo, right? Or remake? So, we still don't know the exact details. The trailers that have shown so far very clearly have scenes that happened that first arc, that first four-episode arc mm-hmm. that involved Reyna. Um, but that's all we've seen so far. So we're, we're assuming it's a remake redo, but like the studio has been playing very coy with it all this time. So we don't know. Oh, for right, sure. right. They've released some, uh, they, they keep releasing the, uh, key art and, uh, character designs for it and looks pretty good. So yeah, yeah, I was, I was, uh, hesitant about it at first because it's very fluffy, but after seeing mm. it in action in some of the recent, uh, pvs i'm like okay i'm on board with this cagey still looks a little weird but i can get past it all right all right well hopefully it will turn out okay yeah i'm excited about it okay let's get into some news and despite there being so much news in the video game world it's been pretty slim pickings in terms of anime however there's still some pretty big things that have happened ideally we were talking about a k-on and kyoani earlier there's one other series probably the only other series that can top the mass 
effect popularity of K-On? And what is that, Kyle? Dragon Maid? No. Uh, Come on. Clannon? Come on. Lucky Star. Okay, maybe. Haruhi. No, not Lucky. There you go. Oh, that's right. Oh my god. Yeah, that was big news. That was big news. Yes. So, the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya is receiving a brand new light novel release nine and a half years (laughs) after the last released volume. The Intuition of Haruhi Suzumiya is releasing on November 25th for the first time ever. But the really interesting thing here, not only is this a new publication in this series, but it's getting a simultaneous western english release as well that same day oh, yeah. so the same day yeah. the japanese are getting on the 25th they're seeing it for the first time we are also getting the english translated version of that as well which That's is interesting hmm. pretty much unprecedented in the light novel industry we've definitely reached that point in uh, anime where simul dubs are pretty much the norm and uh, manga have been doing a lot better as well with uh, viz media and uh, crunchyroll manga and all of them doing simul t- simul publications as well but we've never really reached that point with light. Has that happened because... with video games? Well, yeah, we've been getting simultaneous worldwide releases for a while for video games. Hmm. What, like Final Fantasy 15, Zelda, uh, oh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Oh, I guess I didn't realize. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Like for a long time, a lot of tri- a lot of AAA games have been. Uh... In fact, the only AAA company I'd say that's still behind in that regard is Atlas. Oh yeah. <laughs> with. Shin Megami Tensei, although they have said Shin Megami Tensei 5 will be a world simultaneous worldwide release. Interesting. So okay. light novels are still the only last bit that do not get worldwide releases. And a lot large part of that is because there's a lot of words in light novels. Yeah, that, well, so, that's why I like brought up <clears throat> video games, right? Because like that's, I probably say, is like the most word intensive media right. that would need to be localized i think part of it too is that light novels aren't nearly as popular exactly. in the west here like manga is super popular video games of course but light novels like that's a like the only reason i knew about light novels was because of characters in anime that were talking about light novels mm-hmm. and you would just think it's some I, at, at first, I thought it's just like a different word of saying manga. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, light novel manga, it's light reading, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. makes sense. Checks out. <laughs> but uh... Yeah, so it is very unprecedented for uh, there to be a simultaneous world. Well, I guess I can't say worldwide. It's just simultaneous English release. This would be uh, the series to do it for, though. Yes, absolutely. After a nine and a half year hiatus, which like begs the question... Why now, I wonder? And so I haven't dug into the Haruhi Light novels. I know you have a little bit, Kyle, right? A little bit, but that was only the first volume that I have, just because I was watching the anime at the time, and I was in the borders, and I was like, oh, that's the Haruhi Light novel. I'm going to get that. I have it. Mm -hmm. It's sitting on my shelf, and apparently this is, like, worth $200 now. (laughs) So, yeah, the fun thing about that, and I'll send you a pic of it after this, um... And I'll share it in the post for our lovely listeners. But the version mm-hmm. of the Haruhi light novel that I have was the first run, first edition. Um, okay, so I forget the publisher, but it's this really, really cool, uh, really well-designed cover. Um, really interesting, super artsy, uh, very sleek and minimalistic. And they did that for all nine vol- nine or so volumes that were available at the time. They only ran for a couple years. Um and I think since then, they haven't republished uh, the Haruhi Light novels, which is why it's such a big deal that Yen Press is 
doing another printing because right. it's that been like nine and a half years since these light novel volumes have been available to purchase in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is the second part of this story is that Yen Press, the one bringing the English version of this light novel over, is doing a reprinting of all the previous 11 volumes as well. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, to your point, that is a big deal because they've been out of print for so long. Um, so I, there's one, there's one reason I think, uh, there's two reasons I think that this was possible. One, because it's Haruhi. And like mm-hmm. you said, if there was going to be one series that would do this, it would be Haruhi. Uh, the other aspect of it, however, is that by definition, doing a simultaneous worldwide release means delaying it for the Japanese audience as well. Correct. Yes. And so, um, in light novels, the Japanese crowd is the main consumer of these, most likely. Actually, not most likely. That That's just a fact. Yeah. Uh, so delaying it for them doesn't make much sense. However, for this volume specifically, it consists of three stories. Uh, and two of them have already been released in some shape or form in Japan. Uh, so the, oh, interesting. Seven, the Seven Wonders Overtime short story debuted in the Kadokawa one-time sneaker, the, the Sneaker Legend magazine in 2018. And the Guesswork Number short story appeared in the uh, Haruhi art book that Kadokawa published in 2013. So those stories had already been available in Japan, which means that they could give those stories to uh, a Western publisher to begin translation of ahead oh, of time interesting. and get going. Okay. Meanwhile, the third and final story, Tsuruya's Challenge, is the one brand new story for this volume. Oh my and God. so that's the only one that had to be probably most likely delayed. And so they... Tr- in my head, they probably translated these first two stories while this third one is being that written. That makes sense. And because okay. the third one wasn't a full volume, they didn't have to wait too long afterwards to um, have that fully translated as well. So I think those are the puzzle pieces in play that made this release possible. Okay. Uh, as much... So here's the thing. Even if, uh, even if we did get simultaneous releases of light novels in the West, I'm still not sure how how much of an impact that would have because light novels are, have definitely grown in popularity in the West over time just by the fact that there are more publishers and you can easily find them on Amazon. Mm-hmm. However, it's they're definitely not something you hear come up in just casual weep talk, I feel like still. It's like light novels are still the thing that are kind of seen as this this next level of otaku culture to dig into oh yeah because they require so much more dedication and time than anime than manga Mm -hmm. than video games and um so for that reason i i think they the light novel and the western light novel industry doesn't lose anything by continuing the model they have right now of just this delayed release behind because they have that core audience that um they are catering to Mm -hmm. this could this might, if they were to pursue simultaneous releases, maybe that could change and that could grow out. However, the fact of the matter is, just like manga, that a lot of light novels are trash. <laughs> I'd say even more so, just because there's a much lower barrier to entry uh, in terms of getting a light novel just out there to an audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because light novels rely on words alone, that also requires you to be a much better writer. And you have to be able to write in prose, which not a lot of light novel authors are capable yeah. of. That's why a lot of light novels become a lot more popular when they get their manga out of Yeah, that's the thing about fucking light novels is like I've tried to, you know, I might even try reading some in Japanese now. But just because I've seen like. Oh, it's hard. It's uh, so hard. 
just is it hard because like it sucks or is it hard just because like ooh that's that's oh, grammar because, un- um, because they use a lot more kanji and they don't have furigana like oh, most manga gross. do gross yeah I, I tried reading the no game no life light novel back before they were translated I got through like a page before I'm like uh, I'm done. I can't I can't um, but go on but yeah it's just so for example the Konosuba light novel right I tried to mm-hmm. um, granted this wasn't the uh well, no, I did get the official translation. Uh, well, I read both. I read, like, fan translations and then the official one. Um, and it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of prose to work with in the first place. Um, and I feel like that's... I don't read a huge amount of light novels, but from what I've seen and skimmed over, they tend to go very light on the details um and mm-hmm. like right in a very clipped tone like they, they don't really paint pictures they tell you what's happening uh right. which yeah. is kind of annoying um especially when you compare it to like um the the monogatari series right uh and right. though that is like some fantastic writing the localization is um gorgeous uh it, it's really really well written and that is just such a huge cry from like the light novel kind of prose which is just enough to yeah you know tell you what's happening Mm -hmm. yeah that's why my favorite light novel series is still spice and wolf because it goes into all those nitty-gritty details of just like the economics behind everything and why this works and how this works and it can get confusing whereas like i have to reread that really quick i have to really understand this but it's not the bad kind of confusing it's the kind of confusing it's just like okay you really have to Mm -hmm be paying attention while you read this and be putting the pieces of the puzzle together in your head in order to follow it in an active manner. You can't just be passively reading this before bed or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate that about The Spice and Wolf, how it goes to those lengths. And because of that, it makes it feel like this is a society that has been building for years upon years upon centuries of decades and Mm -hmm. centuries. Um, Where, yeah, you don't get that a whole lot. And in a lot of other series, like you said, of Konosuba, because they don't really need that. They need to tell the jokes. They need to establish their characters. But beyond that, like, that's all you're looking for for those stories for the most part. Yeah, and I'd assume that's, like, why Haruhi got so big in the first place, uh, even before the anime, right? Because, like, it was still, like, selling really well um, and still a popular light novel series. But it's Mm -hmm. pretty, I I don't want to say dense writing, but it's interesting writing. Right. And a, a lot of that is because it's uh, it, actually, yeah, it, because the Haruhi light novel is first person through Kion's perspective. Yes. Right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And oddly enough, most light novels aren't first person. They're told in third person. And I feel like the first person perspective of Kion, especially because it's Kion and just like his jaded, sarcastic nature of it mm-hmm. all, uh, lends itself, lends the story a lot more character and Ha- requires more prose by the sheer nature of its perspective mm-hmm. yeah for sure so i'm hoping that nothing much has changed uh with the author in nine and a half years uh mm-hmm. in terms of i would quality. love to at- just like sit down with them and ask like why just now? why <laughs> just why yeah, it's just like is this something that you've been wanting to do for a long time or is this like a, a bolt of inspiration from the blue like what happened I mean, it's kind of possessed you it's, it's kind of sad i don't want to say maybe, maybe melancholy bittersweet um just because it was such a huge phenomenon um and i would say that was what like that series was what pushed me uh from like casually watching anime and 
maybe reading some manga to like consuming it uh, mm-hmm. and being part of those fandoms. And it's like it never really got closure. Like there wasn't a definitive right. end to the franchise. It's just kind of, hey, remember Harvey kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It, it is strange how it never properly ended. And I'm curious to see. I feel like they would make a big deal out of this if this was, like, the end of it all. It's like, this is the final volume yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I don't think this intuition of Harhi will be that. But yeah, like you said, I've always thought how it is strange how it never received a proper conclusion for how big it is. Maybe it's because of how big it is, and the author feels like, I, there's, I no way. Fucking <laughs> there's no way. I had berserk syndrome. So, yeah, you know, we'll see. But no, that that mm-hmm. is fun and it is nice to see stuff like light novels it, 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 in the same way that vns got super popular over time but like er, in the early 2000s they were still very niche things that you had to like hunt around in forums mm-hmm. for so yeah. yeah all the all the hoops you had to go through to get them to run on your non-japanese computer. oh my god Lo- the locale installations and yep. like <laughs> downloading patches to make it work i I still have like mild trauma from that, and I'm so glad oh, yeah. that we're past. It took that. me like two days to get Little Busters to work oh on my, my computer. Alrighty, what's also not going away anytime soon? It seems like is Hollow Live, and so oh lord. So you you mentioned Hollow Live to me a bit uh, before we start recording, but how how familiar are you with Hollow Live? Do you follow them at all? I I follow the media that comes from them. Um, I think they're neat. I, I'm sure there are a couple of them that I really enjoy. Um, is Corona technically? Is she a Hollow yes. Live? Okay. I, I probably enjoy the Corona streams. Um, mm-hmm. and then there's the other one. Who is it? Uh, the, the dragon one? Uh, Coco. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Um, those are the two big mm-hmm. ones that I know of because people like to right. shitpost and make names and, of them. Yeah, and they are definitely... Two of the biggest, so uh, Kiryu, Coco, and, and I also don't really follow Hololive. It's something that I've been consuming passively as my friends that are really big Hololive fans oh just God. post clips here and there of them. But um, yeah, so Kiryu, Coco, the dragon one that you mentioned, she, for the first quarter of 2020, she was the number one <laughs> Super Chat revenue earner for YouTube at, at the very top. So let me, where, where'd that statistic go? Oh, uh, no, I lost it. Okay, yeah. So in the first quarter of 2020, Kiryu Koko earned 18, around 18 million yen oh in Super Lord. Chat revenue. And for those who aren't familiar, Super Chat revenue is the kind of stuff where um, someone will throw in some change here and there to your stream with a message that the streamer will then read. It's different from the subscribe. It's like a one-time payment. So 18 million yen translates to approximately 170,000 US dollars. So mm. Hollow Live is big. Uh, I think if I recall, seven of the ten, seven of the top ten super chat revenue earners were Hollow Livers. So it's it's huge. It's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so that brings us to now, and that up until now, Hollow Live has been predominantly Japanese streamers. They have a few Chinese streamers and a few Korean streamers as well. However, there has recently been an announcement uh, as of this week that they are now implementing the Hololive English Initiative. And would you look at that, Kyle? They're having their opening stream as we speak. I saw that. I didn't yes. look super deep into it, but is are, th- those are actual like people that speak English? 
And they're yes. VTubers? Uh, so supposedly, uh, because pre- I haven't watched the stream because it's happening right now as we talk, but um, the conditions of the auditions for this was that you had to speak fluent English, not just like proficient English, but like you had to be fluent in it. And so these are fluent English speakers. Um, that's all we know about that beyond that. But yeah, so they are taking... Oh, I should probably back up and explain what Hololive is for people who might not be familiar with this. It's just like, what the hell are they talking about? So Hololive are virtual YouTubers. Uh, for some One that a lot of people probably have heard of in recent years is Kizuna Ai. And so she was the one that arguably kicked off the uh, virtual YouTuber craze. And so a virtual YouTuber is you have this... A model of an anime girl, a cute anime girl. It's often live 2D. And sometimes if you're really fancy, it'll be a full 3D model. And then you have technology for the streamer that um, all that model will mimic their movements as well. And then they kind of adopt a persona to match that that model, that anime girl. And so they might be streaming video games. They might just be doing karaoke. They might be playing Mahjong. It's just whatever. The whole appeal is that you are watching a streamer that is an anime girl. And they are actresses that lean into it. And so Kizuna I was the one that arguably kicked that off. Uh, as of tw- June 2018, the, co- the company Covercore announced the Hololive initiative, which is basically their own set of virtual YouTubers. And so they went through their whole auditions and they founded the first generation of Hololivers. It wasn't until the third generation of Hololive in July of last year when things really kicked off for them. So that's when they got people like Korone, the one that Kyle knows, the dog the dog girl they got um i believe that is also when kiru coco came on board as well and so with those big personas that's when hololive really took off and that's when the term we all know and love simp was born was that that that's not where simp came from it if if not it's where it's really used in ta- context for now it's like oh i'm i simp for Korin, oh I simp for my god coco i simp for what's the the white fox i don't know that makes me but yeah uh, so it it's as indicated by Coco and seven out of 10 being the top super chat users, it has exploded in popularity over the years and it has been primarily Japanese. And the thing is like, it has a very fervent overseas following as well, but because they're in Japanese, people have always had to either just accept that they're not going to fully understand, or they've also relied on the, uh, fan subbers essentially that will take clips from these three hour, four hour long streams. They will take these highlight clips and just sub them in these very creative ways. It's not, we're not just talking about like anime subs where it's like along the screen. They will like enlarge letters or they'll like do special effects for them to match like the emotion that's happening with the, uh, the hololive or that arguably enhances the videos for mm-hmm. English speaking mm-hmm. audience. And so what's really impressive about these videos is how they would go up sometimes within a matter of minutes after the hololive or streams ended. So I feel like Covercore saw this as an untapped market and is why they have initiated this Hololive English group. And so these are five brand new Hololivers that are built from the ground up, brand new models, brand new anime girls for you to simplify. <laughs> um, and as of this recording, I don't know their voice actors. You can check them out now. They're, they've already premiered by the time you're listening to this podcast. But we'll just go down this list. And the whole theme behind this is that is that they're mythological creatures. And so to kick things off, we got Ninomai Inannis, who is a Cthulhu tentacle monster. Oh my god. So her whole deal is that one day she picked up a strange book and then started to gain the power of controlling tentacles. To her, tentacles are just a part of her ordinary life. 
It has never been a big deal for her. However, her girly mind does want to get them dressed up and stay pretty. Uh. She wants to become a VTuber to regularly deliver sanity checks to, upon uh. humanity. Uh, continue. So next on the list, we got Takanashi Kiara, who is a Phoenix girl, and she's designed by the same artist as uh, from Steins Gate and Black Rock Shooter. Oh my god. You can very clearly see that in her uh, design. I should also say uh, the previous girl, Inanis, is the same uh, artist as uh, Kino's Journey. And oh my god, they're fucking Kino going all in on this. Yeah. So this Kiara girl is a Phoenix girl. She is an idol whose dream is to become a fast food shop owner. I'm, She's a Phoenix, what? not a turkey or a tur- chicken. It's very what important. What the fuck is going on? She works extremely hard since she will be reborn from ashes anyway. What the fuck is going on right now? Continue, please. We have Watson Amelia, which guess what her whole shtick is? Uh, Sherlock Holmes? Kind of yeah, so she's a detective. Oh my god. So she heard some strange rumors surrounding the Hololive online. Oh my Talking god. Foxes, magical squirrels, superhuman dogs? What is this? Soon after, she began investigating Hololive, and just out of interest, she did be- decided to become one herself. She loves to pass her time training her reflexes with FPS games and challenge herself with puzzles games. Oh my god. And then next, we got Mori Calliope who was designed by Yuki Same, doesn't say uh, what they're known for, but she is a Grim Reaper's first apprentice. But because of all the advances in the medical system, she's... <laughs> That's my favorite one so far. Yep. It seems that the lost soul is vaporized by the wholesome relationships of VTubers flow to her well. Oh now. my god. So in the end, she's I'm a gonna hearted girl who's fucking scream right now, man. <laughs> and then finally, for the fifth one, we got Gargura. Who's designed by Amashiro Natsuki. So she is a descendant of the lost city of Atlantis who swam to Earth while saying, It's so boring down there, LMAO. <laughs> she brought she bought her clothes and her shark cat, she's a shark girl, you see, in the human world, and she really loves them. In her spare time she enjoys talking to marine life. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> so if any of the, that appealed to you, like Calliope appealed to Kyle. I did. Fuck you can me. very easily go on YouTube and check out their li- their premiere streams. I probably will oh do that after God. this. So here here's the thing. <laughs> I had been purposely avoiding Hololive all this time because I knew it was a rabbit hole. I didn't want to get into. I see how much of a time sink it is. And because it wasn't something that you could just put on a background because it was Japanese. Like I'm confident in my Japanese skills, but for me to like actually appreciate something, I'd probably still need subs. Um, so I'd have to actively consume it. And so that was my excuse to my friends. Like, I can't just put it on in the background and listen to them. So I don't want to do it. That excuse has vaporized <laughs> with these ones now <laughs> because they're in English. I'm like, well, maybe I'll check them out now and put them in the background while I work. <laughs> and so they got, they got me. Mm. Like, C- Covercore saw their audience. They, they got me for the sure. The other part of that, too, is those descriptions um, are, like, super aligned the with creative. a Western audience, too. Yeah. Um, cause you've got the whole Lovecraft thing, which is super popular. Shark girls are like insanely popular, um, here in the West, uh, at least with like mm-hmm. anime and like fan art communities. But it's just, those are really fun descriptions. Right. And if they're anything like the other Hololivers, like they've all, they dedicate themselves to those, those personas. And so oh, they should be all right. And a fun thing about Calliope is that we've seen some, we saw some tweets from her before her stream 
Um, and so her whole shtick seems to be like mixing in Japanese with English. F- so like one of her tweets was like, Doko the hell. <laughs> oh no. This yeah, is really. So that, that could go either way. Oh my God. So yeah. Uh, um, this, all right. So we might not have like a huge amount of news, but this is like fucking incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So here to celebrate this, I mean, I'm not sure I should say celebrate, but there there are currently 56 Hololivers now. And keep in mind that's only for this Covercore Corporation. There are many, many other VTubers out there that are under, that might be associated with a different company or they might be independent. But uh, Covercore Hololive are definitely the most popular for, by far. And so there are 56 Hololivers in total, and I'm very glad that you don't follow them because I have a game for you to play, no, Kyle. Lord. <laughs> That I wish Harry was here for, but right. we're bringing back the old classic, real or fake, hit, hit me, Hit me with them. <laughs> yeah, so I have nine descriptions of girls here that I either made up or is an actual hololifer. And so we'll see if you can get uh, if you can get the majority of them correct, you win. Oh, let's Lord. go. All right, let's go. Let's go. So you got to get five out of nine. All right. Sundari cat girl using hololive as a ploy to get attention. That's a, that's a VTuber. It is? You're saying yeah, yes? I'm saying yes. That is fun. I'm gonna not not <laughs> off to a great start. Yep, I, I knew that was just like a low hanging fruit one. And so I should also clarify that I ran these fake ones by my really big VTuber fan friends to make sure that they aren't actually real. But uh so I got them screened by them, but it is possible that I may have actually come up with a real one, but they're fake as far as I know. Mm. All right. Number two, gamer girl that will try to eat your fingers. Oh my god. I'm I'm torn. I'm I'm going to say yes. That is true. Okay. And it's one that you've named. Is it? Cor- Corona? Yes. Yep, it is Corona. Oh my god. Yeah, so the whole eat your fingers part apparently stems from the sh- when she was streaming uh a heavy rain. <laughs> and so there's the part in heavy rain where you have to have like you're controlling a character and you have to cut off his fingers. Oh lord. And she was making some really grim comments about how they look tasty or something like that. So that's where oh that comes God. from. Number three, horny boomer pirate. Oh, Lord. Uh, that's a VTuber. That is a VTuber. So that is Hosho Marine, who debuted in August 2019. I sh- also, I should specify, uh, Korone debuted in April 2019. Horny boomer pirate. Number four. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> Time traveler from the Edo period who's trying to find a place in modern society and is enamored with BDSM. Uh, hmm. That's fake. That is fake. Oof. Oof. Uh, yeah, I'm, that I'm just shooting in the dark here at this point. Like, <laughs> you have some, like, tangential knowledge of Hololive, so you're not totally out there. I've learned so much about Hololive preparing for this oh segment that I didn't want to learn oh about. <laughs> Alright, so, so far you're three out of four. So you gotta get two okay. more, right? Okay, alright. All right, so Angel that has a Gorilla Grip Strength. That's a VTuber. That is true. That is Amane Kanata, who debuted in December 2019. Okay. So you got to get one more. Right. If I just answer Magical... if I just answer true or yes, I'll just win. So, yeah. <laughs> That's hit, really hit, you. Hit really me with him. Hit me with him. <laughs> All right. Magical Girl tired of putting on a cutesy front, so let's loose on Steam. Ooh, Stream. That, that's a good one. I feel like that's not one yet. You're true. I made that okay. up. Okay. I really want that. I'm pretty though. proud of that I, re- one too. That, that's I, think, a, I feel like that would be that's good. That's a really one, solid yeah. fucking VTuber. Yeah. All right. 
Sweet's obsessed sea slug girl. That sounds really specific. So I'm going to say yes. It's fake. I'm going to strangle you. Okay, next one. <laughs> and I came up with sea slug girl because I'm recently playing a phone game called uh, Pride of Eden. And there's a sea slug yeah. girl in it. I'm like, how? But it's cute. So let's go with Pride it. Sea slugs are really cute, by the way. If you Google Aren't they like the cucumber looking ones? Yeah, they are. But they're like very colorful. And they don't look like bumpy and tumorous like <laughs> <a> person. Okay. <laughs> All right. Number eight, Japanese exchange student with a foot fetish stuck in Australia. Oh, my God. <sighs> Jesus Christ. I'm going to say yes. That is true. Akai Hato, also known as Akchan, debuted in June 2018. So one of the older ones. Foot fetish. And finally, Crow Girl with a bad case of Junibio. Oh, that's a really good one, too. I feel like that's fake. It okay. is fake. That's a good one. You made some good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Now watch them be the next generation of Hollywood. All right, that so you you passed that one. I think right, uh, right. seven out of nine. All right. Yeah, you just got tripped up on the fake ones that I made. Two of the fake ones. We're good. All right, they congratulations. Mm-hmm. All right, and that that's a wrap for the the major news topics. Some other things is that uh, Shenmue has an anime series that's been announced, which is I think a very smart idea. Are you familiar with Shenmue? I Co? am aware of its existence. I've never played right. it. I know that there was like the whole thing about people wanting a re-release. I know it was on the Dreamcast, but I'm not like super up to date on it. So it has been re-released on the on Steam now. Okay. So Shenmue, for those who don't know, is a, an old Dreamcast, uh, two old Dreamcast games. And they were hailed at the time as a pioneer in world building and that they were. it was one of the first games that had like a town society that felt like living and breathing with citizens that had a daily routine they could talk to and they would have new things to talk about so it was very well regarded for its uh, immersive nature and it's very at the time high quality face models which haven't aged too well Mm. um but it has a very fervent fan base um for that and also its story and so in an e3 in 2015 i believe the producer came on board and started kickstarter for the third game which was one of the most well-funded Kickstarters in existence, if not the most well-funded, I believe. And the third game came out recently as well. People thought it was going to be the conclusion of the story, and the producer's like, haha, lol, I actually planned this to be seven parts. Uh. And, and everyone's like, you what, bait? And so everyone's wondering if they'll ever see the, hell, the end of this stupid sto- story mm. now that they want to see. And so I feel like this anime is a very smart move. It is a retelling of Shenmue 1 and part of Shenmue 2, but I feel like if fans want to see the end of the story that's supposed to be seven games long, an anime might be their best shot for mm, it at this point. Because yeah. I don't see, I don't see this game continue, this series continuing for seven more. But I'm, I'm glad. I'm definitely going to check it out because I've definitely heard very good things about the story. But that game, those original two games, they just have not. Aged that's what well. I've heard. That like I they're kind of clunky yeah. gameplay wise, and it's like if the story is yeah, the driving I, part, just yeah, just making the yeah. show. I, I tried playing the first one. I'm like, I'm. So so sorry but i'm just i can't it's just can't so yeah i'm definitely looking forward to checking this mm. out nice uh moving forward the fates day night heavens feel third part film debuted in japan and it is the highest selling fate movie to date what so far fuck? so it debut uh fates day night heavens feel third film debuted with uh to 620,000 tickets in select theaters with a total of a 1 billion yen revenue which I think is really interesting considering how sequels to movies typically 
do progressively worse, um, especially direct also, sequels. Also, isn't this because you have a people pandemic? That... Yeah, and there's that too. So that's why huh. it was limited to very specific theaters um, that had uh, had precautions in place. Okay. But yeah, again, that just again yeah. lends to just how big a deal that is. So I'm very surprised how well this is done. Uh, we will be getting uh, digital screenings sometime in the U.S. eventually. This was originally supposed to come out back in March, but obviously it was delayed due to the pandemic. But yeah, it's done extraordinarily well. I am very surprised. I've heard that Heaven's Feel is supposed to be the best uh, original fate story. Uh, I, I agree, I, except I hated it for like, I hated the middle part of it. And then the ending redeemed everything. For okay. Me. So I hated it up until like the very end. I'm like, okay, I don't know how you pull that off, but bravo. Mm, okay. So that, and this is that so-called ending. So there's that. I can't wait to see it. And uh, finally, in some, uh, I don't know even what to call this, like some messed up twist of fate. So it's been more than a year since the uh, the Kyoto animation fire mm-hmm. that was extremely tragic. And the perpetrator for that crime was also severely injured in that accident. He More than 90% of his body was burned in it. And a silver lining to come out of this is that... <laughs> major advancements in skin transplantation came out of treating the arsonist huh. <laughs> uh, and that because he's such a big piece major piece of shit no one wanted to donate skin oh to him God. and so there was a surgeon in japan that had been wanting to uh, try out this new basically technique for growing skin grafts from uh, live skin samples so he took some of the very little live skin that was left on this man and was able to harvest more skin samples, uh, more skin grafts from it. And he managed to completely recover this man. And so it's great that we have this advancement that can be, uh, that has now been proven to work and can be used on other people. It's just a shame that it had to be used on such a waste of oxygen. Oh my God. I feel like. Yeah. But mm. it, it is, uh, I yeah, I don't know what to call it, but. That's happened. So that that is a wrap for all of our news topics for this past three weeks. Interesting stuff. Yeah, it's been pretty light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Light on the anime front, heavy on the video games front. So with that in mind, like I said in the beginning of the show, Kyle and I have both watched Agretzko Season 3, and I've watched all of Great Pretender, and Kyle's watched the first uh, arc of Great Pretender, Case 1. Uh, we we want to talk about Agretzko season three specifically to start off, just because uh, of a lot of things that have happened in it that, first of all, are worth talking about, but also to talk about in a greater scheme of things of how how anime portrays more mature themes, how it talks about them, how it tells stories about them, and I'm not by mature themes. I'm not just talking about like murder and sex. I'm talking about just by growing up or figuring out how to work in life, like what happens after college when you're off on your own, figuring out your path or just dealing with um, just life. The op- yeah. Op- just life. Yeah. Dealing with life and the obstacles that are all involved in it. And I think Gretzko is so interesting specifically because of how it is so distinctly animated with its presentation, how we have these very cute, Sanrio Hello Kitty style characters that are going about these times in the life that are extraordinarily relatable to we ourselves adults in the working world, which is 
very rare in anime considering the vast majority of it takes place in like high school or middle school or maybe occasionally college nowadays but to see anime take place in an office space is rare enough and now we have these cutesy animals on top of it you would think it creates this weird dissonance but for whatever reason agretzko itself circumvents that and so kyle um you're coming fresh off of this third season yes and did you watch the first two seasons as they were coming out? Did you watch the first two seasons? Oh, no, I watched them as they, as they were coming out because um, mm-hmm. I think the trailer really interested me. It was also, uh, I also really like Erica Mendez um, and she did a really good job uh, in the English dub. So I checked them out uh, and I really, I was surprised how much I liked them, um, especially because mm-hmm. it's a Sanrio property and I don't typically consume that kind of media. Which, by the way, it's it's interesting how Hello Kitty is still like one of the biggest franchises around the world. When I feel like I hardly hear about it anymore. <sighs> yeah, that's on. weird. Um, but yeah, Agretzko has been fun. Um, I guess like we can't really talk about season three without like spoiling it, right? So, right, like do your best, but we we might like say one thing or here here and there that yeah, are events so, that happen in it. All I'll say about Agretzko, uh in terms of spoilers is that I really enjoyed it up until the last couple episodes specifically the second half of the last episode I mm-hmm. was not a huge fan of them resetting progress and going back to the status quo um, mm-hmm. because it goes contrary to what the show is trying to be about um, which is that it is trying to show what adult life is like um and what they've continually done is that they've put retsuko um in all of these situations where she has opportunities to move out of her life that she's very clearly unsatisfied with but at the slightest like obstacle she just gives up and at this point it's become less of a character flaw and more of a frustrating writing choice. Right. And so let's back up a moment. So for those who aren't aware of Gretzko, what, what is her day job? Like what is her so life the, and what is the she so satisfied to Gretzko about? premise is that it follows this uh, red panda. Yeah, she's a red panda. Um, this uh, I wasn't actually sure. Red panda <laughs> um, in her mid-20s. Uh, named Retsuko, and she is an office lady who works in the accounting department of a giant company. And she wants more out of her life, is very frustrated with her boss, very frustrated with the work that she does, gets super stressed out. So in order to cope with it, uh, she uh, likes to vent out by singing death metal in karaoke. Uh, and that's where the you know title comes from, Agretzico, aggression, uh, right? And mm-hmm. the whole idea behind each season is that Retsuko is, uh, like I said, given these opportunities or put in these situations uh, where she has a chance to go outside of her normal daily routine and see that there is more to life than what she has in front of her. But the way that the past few seasons have gone um, 
You pay, say past few, that includes... The, that would mean all the seasons. Uh, yeah, 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 all of these seasons, really. <laughs> um, is that they do a really good job up until, like, the last couple episodes where it feels like they reset everything and put her back in the same situation. Um, where she's just back in square one, back to working her daily nine to five grind and back to being frustrated with her work and herself um which mm-hmm. it's a great premise and it's super relatable um especially because now that i am in my mid to late 20s and having gone through that exact kind of life change um and been in those exact life situations it's really gratifying to see uh that kind of stress represented mm-hmm. and so I, I agree with you at the end of this season, for sure, and I'll get into that a little bit more later, but something that I actually appreciate about Agretzko and uh, how it's kind of reset the status quo in between each season so far is that it, it shows how sometimes things don't work out. Yes. Yeah. And and that's okay. It's okay if things don't work out and things go back to the way they were. It's not the end of the world. And that's something that the show has that's been very, very good about. And even... And even then, uh, it's not even necessarily the status quo because of all the relationships that not just Agretzko has made, but the people around her have made as well. Like something that I was very surprised and impressed by was the relationship between Haida and Tadano mm-hmm. in the th- this third season, how they just kind of, uh, they had this connection with each other through Agretzko and then they became friends on their own outside of that. And that's something that I wasn't expecting considering in the first season, there was like that space cadet arc and good riddance to the space cadet. I'm glad he hasn't come back, but it it shows how, even if things have returned, not everything is exactly the same and things have things can good things can come out of that as Mm -hmm. well. Uh, The reason that it doesn't, I can't let that slide for this final season. You probably have the same thought is because of how traumatic experience Retzko had. Yeah, and so we should probably clarify that, is something that, um, yeah. that Retzko has normally gone through very, um, very adult problems, right? Which is, you know, she has got to figure out how to make money. She's got to deal with her work-to-life balance. Um, wants a boyfriend. Wants a boyfriend, all of that, is having that, like, uh, crisis of identity and purpose. So all, all very relatable stuff. Um, but this last season, just, it, like, it, the show has been very comfy watching. Um, and it's like if you were watching The Office and then in, like, the last, in, in like, the middle, middle seasons, like, Michael just gets, like, stabbed. And it's like, oh, that's a really big jump in tone. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't think the tone worked particularly well. Um, I don't know. So, I, I, I think I was okay. Well, I, I won't say I'm okay with the event itself, but I, 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 I didn't mind the tone shift. I thought it, they had built it up decently well by planting the seeds of that fake, the fake Twitter accounts earlier mm-hmm. on. Um, so it didn't just come out of nowhere. And however, uh, just... Again, how you said that they put a Band-Aid over Yeah, it, I, I think that's really my Specifically, problem. Specifically, yeah. yeah. Haida's Haida's oh, actions to, uh, to console, question mark, Retsuko. Uh, that uh, was, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's... So the, whole, the whole purpose is that they wanted to con- contrast this very horrible human 
with Haida. They're, they're literally However, the same the end, person. It, it kind of was the same, yeah. And I was waiting for that moment where it's like, I'm the same, but now this is different. And it's like, okay, now I'm going to give space or things like that. But it, it was it was very counter to a lot of the other adult communication. So th- th- this is why it's frustrating, I feel like, because throughout Agresco all the seasons, it's been very good about... Um, emphasizing communication mm, and mm-hmm. being um, true to yourself and um, having a two-way communication importantly. Whereas this final scene of Gretzko was more of a one-way communication between Haida to Oretzko. Just like, here are my feelings. Take them. Take <laughs> I'm just them. Keep take, I'm just going to keep shouting yeah. them at you. Yeah. Oh, and it's very counter to what should be the case. And the fact that that Matt seemingly has magically fixed everything is very strange. Yeah. And so it, it, it definitely felt like the, the team had a potentially grander idea of what to do, but then they ran out of time. And mm. so they weren't able to do it is my, my feeling I get from it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's really my problem. Um, it's not so much the tone shift, but how they deal with the tone shift. Uh, because like, like you said, the, the show up to this point has dealt with very mature problems in a very mature way. Um, which is why it came as such a surprise that like, so side spoilers, uh, in the last couple episodes, Retsuko endures a traumatic event. Um, and instead of like letting her process it, um, and giving her the space that she needs, uh, both the writers and Haida just kind of forced her out of it, back into square one, which is really gross. <laughs> because it, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't let things simmer, which is what was really nice about, like, most of this season, which is, at least the start of this, too, uh, like, the, the last season Retsuko deals with uh, breaking up with her boyfriend that she was really happy with, but she wasn't sure if it was going to work out. Um, and this season starts off with her still dealing with the aftermath of that and how that inhabits mm-hmm. her life and like what, what that means for her and why that drives the decisions that she makes, the choices uh, that she thinks will work for her rather than what will work for other people. And that was really nice to see. And that all gets thrown out the window in the last couple episodes when the writers just force her out of that grieving time. And it's just, it's bizarrely rushed. Right. And this is something that I saw on Twitter. I can't, but basically how, again, going back to how you said how they return to the status quo at each, uh, at the end of each season. And you can more or less accept that. But for this one, it's like, no, you, you can't just. You can't just move on from that. Reset yeah. that. You, that's something that requires a lot of attention and guidance mm-hmm. and very close um, possibly therapy to get over. Yeah, the fact that she's like, like not okay, like in therapy, or maybe, maybe she. I, I think they mentioned it at some point. Um, but it just felt so gross, especially the way that um, they had Haida handle it, which is just uh, mm-hmm. it's so icky, and it's just it, it's in direct opposition of how the show has handled their problems so far. Mm-hmm. Which going back to. To get away from the ending a little bit and like more of the positives of the show and what it's done well is something that I do appreciate is that how it really emphasizes how uh, the life goes on. Yeah, yeah. That even when 
uh, a lot of other shows where it would be like, you got together, that's the end of the story, you won. Or um, you got a raise and it's like, or you made up with your coworker, you won and things like that. Where, And in Agretzko, that's that's not the end goal. Like the whole second arc with Tadano is like, okay, this would normally be where like a rom-com would end. It's like, that's the happy ending. But it shows how like, no, like there's still the whole relationship part that has to happen after you get together. That's not the end of relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just kind of is continuous throughout uh, all of the series as well. So all of the relationships that Retsuko has in the workplace as well and with Tone. And uh, she may she may uh, see eye to eye with Tone, her boss, at some points. But that doesn't mean that like they're always going to get along together and that things are hunky dory. He still calls her calendar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, I very much appreciate how in Agretzko, it it doesn't it doesn't settle for milestones mm, really. It, mm. It's very much about like we're just going to tell you about things that happened to happen in her life and it feels it doesn't feel like it was planned in a way it's just like this this is just serendipitous storytelling in a way it, it's it feels like it wrote itself yeah it's a natural point. logical progression uh in terms of how old like the, the show is character driven right mm-hmm. um and a lot of the decisions uh that everybody makes uh is because of how they view the world and how they view their relationship with other people. It's just that when you write a story, those views should change. And it doesn't feel like they kind of, like they, they, they have really. Um, but what's been great, like for the most part with Agretzico is that um, you see these incremental changes. Um, and I, I think that's what, what the important part of this is and like why I like Slice of Life in general and these kind of character-driven stories is that you see incremental change. Um, there's no like big revelation um, and it's just, you know, it, it reflects a lot of reality in that you never really have big revelations or big changes in your life. It's always like small decisions that build up. Right. Exactly. And so... T- Contrasting Agretzko a little bit is, uh, or actually not contrasting. First of all, I want to speak to Agretzko as well. Some one of the reasons it lands so well is how it, it is. It has a light tone, and so the way it pivots between its light tone and its very realistic tones is uh, is very masterful in how it does that. For the mm-hmm. most part, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes not so much, but um, something another show that does that exceptionally well is Great Pretender. That is now on Netflix uh, as well. The first half is, and the next half is coming out next week on September 18th, I believe. And so The Great Pretender is all about con artists. And so uh, it, it circles around this uh, main character, Makoto Edomura, who is a con artist in Japan. And he tries to uh, commit fraud against this foreigner, but little does he know that he actually got duped himself. And so now he's kind of like strung along by this foreigner whose name is Laurent to the U.S. to um, do some more fraud fraudulent activities mm-hmm. essentially on a large scale and it's definitely that that premise itself of course is not as relatable as a Gretzko. at least i don't think kyle is a fraud i would like to think i'm not tricking me <laughs> but um what i feel like great pretender does very well is how it handles uh 
showing how the characters get to where they are right now. So Kyle has only seen the first case so far, which focused on the main character, Makoto. And so the way Crate Pretender essentially handles flashbacks specifically. Mm. And I feel like flashbacks are often something that can very easily be misused because obviously it's taking away time from the present day. And that's where the story is happening. And that's where people ultimately care about seeing what happens. Um, so to utilize flashbacks, well, it can be a very difficult thing, but uh, that is where the flashbacks themselves are where all of the relatability comes from in the great pretender. So in Makoto's past life, we see what Makoto is like uh, bef- before he became a con man and more importantly, why he became a con mm-hmm. man. And I think going back to your point of uh, the tone shift in uh, Agretzko not working out well, I think the tone shift, the sudden tone shifts in Great Pretender are used to very great mm-hmm. effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all throughout the flashbacks of Makoto, you get that you learn like, okay, his his dad did something bad, and now he stick his family is stigmatized because of that. And watching anime, you get to learn a lot of quote-unquote bad things parents did that have affected their child and you kind of more or less become a little jaded to it it's like okay you killed someone that's bad and i don't want to downplay this killing someone is bad but oftentimes they'll be like okay but they did it for a reason or there's some sort of redemption uh the thing that makoto's dad did when they reveal it is completely and absolutely irredeemable (laughs) and no shape kind of thing that i like it got an audible reaction out of me yeah so i i watched great pretender with my friend and we uh we watched it together and normally we're talking throughout the show and when that bomb hits we're just complete silent complete silence and so i think the way great pretender handles its mature themes is that or why it feels like it handles its mature theme so well is because when Outside of these flashbacks is a very kind of, uh, I wouldn't say happy-go-lucky, but it's a very jovial kind mm. of show. It's like, yes, they're kind, of, they're kind of like getting by the skin of their teeth and like the slightest thing can go wrong and that everything can blow up in their face. But it's the kind of show is like you you get the feeling that things are going to go all right for them yeah, in the end. Yeah. But then uh, the way how it shifts um, to these flashbacks and the tonal shifts to these flashbacks, it makes them hit all the harder and it makes you think about um the world you're in because it reminds you is like yes the world i won't say the world is a happy place <laughs> but um we tend to sweep under the rug a lot of the not sweep under the rug but for our own mental health we can't afford to think about every single thing that's wrong with the mm-hmm. world um, that's just a mental protective measure. And the great pretender, I feel like, and you'll see this come up again in the future arcs as well, okay. Kyle. Uh, it it very firmly reminds you of things that are wrong in the world. Mm. And not in a way is like, hey, wake up, asshole. It's just this. <laughs> it's this just kind of like, yeah, this this happens. And this is a thing that you people, you have to accept essentially. And because you can't change everything mm-hmm. in the world. You can change some things, but you can't change everything. And I think that is a very poignant yeah, and strength I think of the Yeah, and I think at least for the first case and the messed up stuff that uh, got revealed there, uh, it was... The way it's presented um, is... Yeah, there there is that 
whole framing of it, right, of this is a terrible thing, and this is a terrible thing that happens. But the other part that I think I really appreciated, um, especially considering it's a mature theme, is how the how, how a character will internalize that. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, yes, Because there's a difference between motivation, like, oh, my dad did this, so I'm motivated to do something else, right? Um, and uh, to have a goal, right? But the difference between that and internalization is that this becomes part of his identity. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not the impetus for a decision, it's the impetus for his framing of life and how he makes decisions yes. as a whole. Absolutely, because you can see throughout the first case, is like, yes, Makoto is a con man and he makes his living off of putting others down. However, you also see like internally throughout the stories, like he still can't let go of the idea that true justice has to exist in the world. Like he's doing really bad things, but at the same time, he believes that it's like, if something were to truly, if something truly bad were to happen somewhere, if I were to do something truly horrendous, mm-hmm. like there has to be some retribution, not retribution, but some punishment for that, some sort of yeah, And the, the nice part and is like... That continually comes, mm-hmm. that's continually challenged uh, that that ideology is continually challenged in this first case, and that's why you see not that's the important part about these flashbacks. Mm-hmm. To your point, it's like it, not just the fact that they happened that, but they have shaped the character he is today, and you can see that reflected in. His and it's character. great that there are challenges to it, um, but in very abstract ways, because it's like it's not like he runs into the same kind of person uh, or the same kind of problem uh, that existed with his dad, right? Uh, mm-hmm. but there are certain things happen with other side characters, um, where not only is Makoto challenged, but he pushes back, um, which mm-hmm. is the really cool part. And you see like his response is logical and it makes sense. Um, and it works like it's one of those decisions that comes around because of how he's changed his worldview because of that event in his past it's not oh i'm doing this because um i'm trying to right the wrongs that my dad did but it's just again it's more about how he's framed his worldview Mm -hmm. so uh yeah great pretender is interesting especially with the tonal shift um just because it is it not like yes there are the mature themes right uh, but it also deals with a very mature content. Um, like I don't know if I've ever seen like drug manufacturing done like this, um, especially mm-hmm. on the. It's a very Western feeling show. Well, yeah. It, well, it, yeah. It, it, it takes, takes place, place in the, the U.S. US yeah, one. yeah. <laughs> um, but it feels a lot like an Ocean's Eleven, Catch Me If You Can, Breaking Bad kind of show. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's funny because we were talking last podcast episode about uh, the globalization of anime and just uh, the kinds of things that I'd want to see in anime to help uh, keep its identity. And the moment we were, not the moment, but the same night that we finished recording that episode, I wanted to start a great pretender. I'm just like, this the, the, this was everything I was talking about on the episode that mm-hmm. I wanted. Uh, so I, I was impressed by that. And it's just the kind of show where it's not just it's not a Japanese person's idea of what the U.S. is. Mm-hmm. It's very clear. It's like someone did their research. Like someone either has lived there or like went there and did like location scouting 
to know exactly how to capture the feel. I think that's of uh, Los Angeles. That's the important part. If you know, if we're like bringing the scope out, um, the the important part of mature themes. Um, Mm -hmm. If we're looking at Agretzico and Great Pretender, it's just the universality of certain experiences um, and certain Mm -hmm. ideas about the world. So with Retzico, right, like it's very, um, and I think it goes, it even goes beyond relatability um, just because you understand the situation that she's in uh, and you understand her frustration with it um, and her wanting to break out of that. And the same with Great Pretender, like you, you, you get why he's acting the way he is. And it's not just a matter of like, oh, this makes sense for the character, but it's like, it, and this doesn't necessarily need to happen all the time, but it's like, it's a view that if put in the same situation, I would say, yes, yes, that is how I respond. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something a lot of anime series in particular are scared of doing. Mm -hmm. I feel like is that, yeah, they're, they're scared of making protagonists weak a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, huh. And that's something that, I, I know you're not a huge fan of it, but that's something that I really do appreciate about ReZero is how uh, Subaru is very weak, like mentally and mm-hmm. physically. And that's reflected in the fact that he just, he loses his shit a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> throughout the first season. Um, and it's something that I, if I think about myself, if I put myself in his situation of just like dying over and over again, these painful deaths and not seeing an end in sight and not knowing what to do, I could understandably see myself losing my shit like that as well. And that's kind of that, that it's that kind of relatability that made me appreciate Subaru as a protagonist yeah. in the end. And, and a lot of other times like, okay. And Shonen is like, all right, you lost this fight. What a shame. You weren't strong enough yet. Now get stronger. Mm-hmm. And it, it's that's not weakness. That's more of a setback, I feel yeah. like. Um, another example I feel like is uh, Psychopaths. Uh, how to describe the scene without spoiling it. <laughs> there is a very specific scene. Okay, so in Psychopaths, the, these police officers essentially have these guns that will only fire upon people that it deems have higher enough crime coefficients. Uh, it will not fire upon innocent civilians. And there is a part where a character is given a normal gun to shoot someone with. And the villain is like taunting her. It's like, all right, shoot me. And she can't do it because she doesn't, she doesn't trust herself to make that decision. And I think that is also a show of weakness as well that had very real consequences to mm-hmm. it. Uh, so I think wrapping this all back around there to tell mature storylines to tell to talk about mature themes you have to allow your characters to show real weakness and they may or may not overcome them they'll most likely overcome them um but it's possible that they might not even they'll get like halfway and they just compromise on that it's like this is the best i can do and that's also part part of that too an important part is that the show has to say something about the decision that the character makes, whether that's a decision for mm-hmm. the better or worse. Um, right. So uh, with Agretzico, um, the, like the ending of season two, which is, and like, it goes to this greater idea that you brought up earlier, where it's okay if things don't work out, that is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really good mature theme to take away because that is very useful life advice. And that is something that will help you move through life uh, with great pretender. I, 
like I haven't thought about it in that regard, but what would you say is like, what would you say is the decision that it's making? Like, what is it saying about like its themes or what are its themes? <laughs> that's, that's a really tough mm-hmm. one. Uh, considering like, yeah, the, uh, the core thrust of the show is something that's unrelatable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the, the theme is you should all go out and become <laughs> con man. No, uh, I would say the, the, the central thrust of great pretender is, um, kind of what I said earlier is like compromises mm. coming to terms that like, it's okay to have ideologies, but to be flexible with them and that you can continue to hold your ideologies and have them impact your life, but you can't be ruled by them. And you can still meet people halfway without compromising your uh, entire identity. Mm. I think that is one of the central thrusts of Great Pretender, which, yeah, that kind of is relates to the name itself. There's no, you don't need to pretend to always uphold your ideology always uphold um, everything you hold mm-hmm. to be true. Yeah. I think that's a, a crucial part of mature themes in shows and anime um, is this idea of how you hold beliefs. Um, and it, it, it gets into a lot more abstract stuff, I'd say, is what categorizes a mature theme. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'd say something like Snafu. Uh, deals with a lot of mature themes and it's all about communication um and what is you know the the right way to communicate how do you uh communicate with somebody you've known your entire life how do you do that with somebody you've just met uh and it deals with i guess i'd say that it's very people centered with mature themes um because like you can you can have like ideas about you know, like greater stuff like philosophy and religion and those are more lofty topics um but i i guess i'd say that mature themes are often relationship centered right absolutely because relationships are complex Mm. and there's no main character in relationships yeah that's like everybody's the main character in their own story right that's how like that saying Mm -hmm. goes and it's Mm -hmm. i think that's kind of at odds at times with how anime is because you have to Absolutely, put somebody yeah. on a pedestal and center them. Um, mm-hmm. Like that's typically why I'd say I can't really say that shonens are very mature uh, in that regard. Oh, yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. And I, I think that is something that Gretzko does really well too, and how fluid it is between shifting focus mm-hmm. amongst mm-hmm. all of its mm-hmm. characters. Um, this, this last season. Yeah. The, the focus was Gretzko and Haida mo- mostly. However, there were times when it would shift to Gory, or there were times it shifted to Tadano and things like that. And it wasn't it wasn't purely Retsuko like it was in the very beginning of the first season. And the second season especially, um, just everything going on around Retsuko. And so that's, I think that's the sign of a mature show as well, is just how, bef- without you realizing it, it cha- changes. Oh, actually, to build upon that even more... Mm-hmm. You can have multiple shitty things happening at the same time. It doesn't have to be one character arc and then the next character arc. You can have two character arcs happening at the mm-hmm. same time. And that's very difficult, but that's something that Retsuko does really well, where you had uh, Retsuko and Haida's uh, arcs happening concurrently with each other in this third mm-hmm. arc, I think. Yeah, it's because like it lends to that whole idea that everybody is going through their own shit. 
Um, mm-hmm. And exactly. the, the, the mature aspect is figuring out how to deal with your own problems while understanding people are going through theirs. Yes. That's a very good way of putting it. Uh, and, you know, there's some conflict that okay. you can have there uh, between the two, but um, I think it, it's exploring the space between people is what will drive a lot of mature themes and mature stories. Mm-hmm. So before we close out this topic, I do want to ask, spe- uh, mainly for Gretzko, but it can be for anything, because the I, I would say, like, the things we touched upon in this discussion could probably be applied for almost any medium like western live action books or video games and things like that uh so what we can use agretzko specifically because it is very much unabashedly anime uh it uses these cutesy anime not cutesy animals that are straight out on real hello kitty so first of all if agretzko was a normal anime with normal character models Hmm. would have worked so well and second of all, if it was a live action, a Western live action, would it have landed so well? Like, is there an inherent strength in Gretzko's presentation that lends? I mean, there's to obviously the contrast, right? Um, right. Which is you have those cute mascot characters in these real situations. Um, I don't know. I I I don't think it would be. Um, at least if it tried to go for the same approach. So the approach that Agretzko mm-hmm. uses is that it is hyper cutesy. Um, mm-hmm. like uh, the characters will go with super over exaggerated expressions. Uh, it will have a lot of on screen effects and it lends into the whole Moe aspect. Uh, I think you could have, it could work as a normal anime, but then you just have a, what, what, what is it? That, there's that other office place anime Vorticoid. yeah yeah that one um and i think that's like uh, close enough uh, i think you just have to adapt it just mm-hmm. because that one's a little more in the realistic uh side of things um just by nature of the characters being designed more close to reality i mean still anime characters mm-hmm. um but yeah i think that's why you see like a lot of slice of life uh and rom-coms and stuff like that will typically not be super fantastical i can't think of the last time i saw a relatable slice of life character-driven slice of life that was fantasy i'm trying to think there aren't a huge amount that i can pull off the top of my head Mm -hmm. because by the sheer nature of putting it in something that's not our world you lose relatability direct relatability So you have to really make up with that somewhere else, which is difficult. Yeah, but I, I, I think it's still possible. Um, you know, I, 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 yeah, I, 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 I want to see more of it. Um, and Agretzko does a really good job of dealing with mature themes for the most part. Um, and knowing where it can get a little crazy with it. Uh, same with Great Pretender. Mm-hmm. Really, like there's a lot of goofy moments, but like you said, you know, there are times when it knows how to slow down, take like let the characters like and the audience deal with. Uh, a traumatic event or uh, just let things settle. Um, so I think it's just people need to take more chances on mm-hmm. different things. Right. Yeah. It's When it comes to telling a mature story, it, it really doesn't matter what medium you're in is what this comes down to pretty much. Like this, we are an anime podcast and we're giving anime examples, but 
Like none none of these things is like, oh, it couldn't be possible not in an anime. I, I do feel like the story that Agretzko is telling and the story that uh, A Great Pretender and Wozukoi, all of those can be told in a, Western, in a live action format mm-hmm. or a book or anything like that. It's just all it comes down to what we've been talking about is just like how it's presented. It's just that it's not as common in anime, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say. <laughs> and I'd like to see it more just because it. I think I'd like to see more mature themes with more cutesy stuff. That, 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 that's the sweet Absolutely. spot for me. Yeah, I, I think it's like you come you come for the cutesy and you stay for the oh shit, this is mm-hmm. real <laughs> factor. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, I think that's gonna be a wrap for that then. So Kyle, where can we find you? You can find me at like the rogue on Twitter or on Xbox where I now post anime memes and shit posts. You which is great. Use the official Xbox account to post K on gifts. I did, and that was very satisfying for me. Um, it's very satisfying. Which then you you then followed up with a comment from your personal post to add on to it, which I find hilarious. Yeah, it's great. It's great. (laughs) And you can find me at Musing Mojak M U S I N G M O J A C K. I'm also the anime editor on Goomba Stomp. However, I'm not going to be writing a lot of. You won't be seeing a lot of anime coverage from me right now because as we speak, PAX Online is happening, which is uh, PAX's alternative to their in-person events. So I am going to be covering that throughout the week. So if you want to see a whole bunch of different indie game impressions, Kyle and I are going to check one out right after we're done recording, in fact. Uh, You can head on over there and see what's good. And my anime recommendation this episode will be... We've already talked about Great Pretender a lot, and I already went over Carol on Tuesday. So... Watch Carol on Tuesday. <laughs> oh, fine. Yeah, we'll do Carol on Tuesday. I'm blanking on another <laughs> one now. It's good. Ending could have been yeah. a bit better, but it's fine. All right. And I've got a manga recommendation, which is just read Eurocamp. <laughs> it's, it's more than I say that because I got the uh, Japanese volumes, and they're very nice. Very tiny. They are very tiny. God, like I thought they looked small in like anime and stuff but they're actually re- they are that tiny right yeah it, it's because uh it's the same thing for normal books in japan as well because public transportation is so big uh that p- japanese people value things that they can do with one hand oh that makes yeah, a lot so of they sense. can hold those small books in one hand and read them while holding on to like a uh whatever those poles oh my are. god that makes a huge amount of uh, you know, a pole no, not the pole but the things the, the rope the hoops the hoops on the, pole. the hoop there you go the <laughs> handles whatever you know yeah, those things, those sense. handles that are like handles? Yeah, those yeah. handles. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's why they're so easy. Alright, cool. Well, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Ciao.